0: You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Sash Purcell. This episode is about political correctness, censorship, and thought control. Now, Just a little warning here, there are a couple of F-bombs in this one, maybe some sensitive subject matter. So if you're easily offended, you might want to skip this one, but it's going to be good.
1: So Carlos, I just want you to know that I was definitely not offended today by anything anybody said. How did you get through your day without being offended? Well, so, it's... That's a tough one. Yeah, I know. It's it's super, super, super duper easy to get offended by absolutely everything. Well, especially today. Yeah, it is. It is. And and everybody's reminding me how many opportunities I have all the time to be offended.
2: It never ceases to amaze me how many ways in which we can become offended as human beings. There yeah. are so many ways, so many opportunities for us to yeah. take offense to things and to take things personally and yeah. to find ways to... Uh, micromanage other people's speech so that it fits into our preconceived
1: notions of, you know, how -hmm. it's supposed to sound. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny how um, we want people to believe what we believe and think the way we think. Isn't that awesome? It is. Yeah, we really want people to feel
2: that way. and (laughs) I want a whole world full of copy versions of myself
1: i mean yeah 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 right right and i think that's sort of what they were getting at in the matrix with uh that that one that one character that smith right you know mr anderson you know right. it's it's imagine you know just one one viral version of of one personality would, would that would stink you know yeah um,
2: there's a problem with that though because uh you know you're always having your popcorn stolen that's a Big yeah. deal. Yeah, there's you got to you know, have some people at least that don't like popcorn.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with or without butter, you know. Um, right, or there wouldn't be a choice. No, but but seriously, I mean, how freaking boring. Yeah, it it really would stink. And you know, some of the the greatest discoveries I've had in my life are because somebody challenged my my idea about how the world is. Yeah, you know, um, it is so easy to get offended, and it is so especially easy to get offended when somebody doesn't agree with our belief. And the only way we really know that, or the only way we usually know that is by the words that come out of their mouth. And I resemble that remark. Yeah. <laughs> well well said. Yeah. So uh, when somebody has words coming out of their mouth, those words are symbolic for the ideas that we share. And if those words don't match the idea that I have about the ideas that they're supposed to have, that I want them to have, I now become offended. And this is the whole political correct thing, isn't it? Oh, well, it's taking
2: things personally and having strong expectations. Uh, and well, as we can see, unrealistic expectations. Exactly. You know? yeah. um, What would that be like if you could not take things personally, if you could listen with an open heart and just consider objective ideas for what they are and not become offended i mean i wonder how quickly we would advance as a human race if we could do that oh yeah yeah
1: i mean that might do things like end wars we don't want to do that that. yeah why would we we do that all that old money would you know be spread around and yeah
2: that that, that would that would stink right for some people well think think (laughs) of the you know the idea of wagging the dog you know False flags and wagging the dog. I mean, wh- why do they do that? Just to, to stir up um, intrigue and fighting and to uh, get people focused on taking violent action. You get people angry. You've got to give them a common enemy. You know, unite the people in, yeah. in rage and hatred, you know, against someone else. Think of Nazi Germany and so many other periods of history. Yeah. Um, including our own in many places. You no know, doubt. Um, to be unified in hatred of another culture another people to... Um, You know us versus them or even if you go to the hippie movement, you know, um, you know the the man quote unquote Us versus the man, you know, I mean there's so many ways to frame that.
1: Sure. Yeah Well, so obviously this show is about political correctness and censorship and those types of of ideas and One thing that I hope we do in this episode Is solve a couple of problems. Ooh, yeah, but no pressure no pressure, no pressure. But, but we'll see if maybe, perhaps, maybe just maybe, we might be able to um, have some answers to a few problems that people tend to face. Um, for example, one problem that I'd like to solve tonight is what do we do when somebody else is offended by what we say? And then another problem I'd like to solve is what do I do when I'm offended by what somebody else says? Nice. You know, I mean, if, if, if we can have, uh, some solutions, some strategies for dealing with that situation, then we can do something on either end and try to find common ground and, you know, prevent, prevent world war three. Yeah. You know, the, the weight of uh, responsibility, uh, is upon the
2: authenticity show to prevent world war three. And I think we can do it such. I think so too. Yeah. I think it's about um, to happen between you and I and Oliver. I think we've got a good team here going. Oh, and let's not forget our listeners, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, so there's um, a collective consciousness here. there is an authenticity tribe, yeah. I think uh you know, we by seeding good ideas by seeding um good feelings through the world in the right way, by creating mental flexibility, emotional flexibility,
1: lots of things can be accomplished yeah and and every person who joins us in this episode and hears these ideas and and Decides to go ahead and start using these solutions is going to spread those things like a fantastic healing virus Right, but no pressure. No pressure. Not at all
2: (laughs) one of the things that concerns me is that when you limit people's ability to express themselves you stop flow you break flow you stop the the opening of that person's mind and the expression of that person's creativity because you're making it dangerous to do so they become chastised they become jailed they become often killed i mean assassination is the extreme form of censorship yeah right yeah right that was george bernard shaw mm, in 1910 that's pretty powerful which brings to mind i, I posted on our facebook page today uh, some quotes about censorship and i'd love to share them and maybe I'd we can get the ball rolling them. you know and kind of just free flow free form you know oh. discuss some of this stuff Great idea. Um, so, nature knows no indecencies. Man invents them.
1: Guess who said that? Oh, gosh. Um, guess who said... You know, I, I, I couldn't even begin, but I love it. Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Samuel Clemens. What a
2: guy, right? Yeah,
1: seriously. Love that guy. Famous for saying a lot of provocative things. Yeah, definitely. At, and at the time when he said them, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he was... He says things that blow us away today. And he said them a long time ago, actually.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He did. Well, you know, this whole idea that man invents, you know, censorship. And sorry, ladies, you're not off the hook. Man and that, and at that time, obviously meant humans. So, yeah. um, Shame on all of us, right? Yeah. Um, Let's make sure we exclude the women tonight by only saying words like guys and that's right. Hey, guys. Be careful with that. Um, There's a quote from a movie that actually was um, an excerpt from a Walt Whitman poem. Um, song of myself. Okay. And this is just a partial quote, but um, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, Christopher Lee. And he says, I think I could turn and live with the animals. They're so placid and self-contained. They do not lie awake in the dark and weep for their sins. They do not make me sick discussing their duty to God. Not one of them kneels to another, nor to his kind that lived thousands of years ago. Not one of them is respectable
1: or unhappy all over the earth. You know, I'm glad you found that quote because um, I often find myself complaining about man-made problems all the time. Hmm. That's something that humans do. We might make a law, and because we made the law, it will have unintended consequences, and then ends up restricting something that none of us want restricted and has nothing to do with the original spirit of the law. You know, we, we, we have these man-made limitations, uh, that, that we put on ourselves and we're always solving man-made problems. Um, it happens in business all the time. Everybody out there who works at some company probably knows that they've had grief over solving some issue that was created by some other decision that we made and we made a rule and you know, the next thing you know, it's spun out of control. And, uh, that reminds me of, um, another Walt Whitman. Uh, oh good. quote, we're um, getting a lot of mileage out of him tonight. Yeah. It was at this hour. I ordained myself lucid of all limitations and imaginary lines. <laughs> wow. I might be paraphrasing that a little bit. Right. But, uh, that's, that's my, my best memory of that, that quote, something like that. Um, and we do have all kinds of imaginary lines that we're not allowed to step over. Don't step over that imaginary line. Oh, she has imaginary lines in her mind. Don't cross them. Oh, my uncle has imaginary lines in his mind, and we better not cross that line during the Thanksgiving feast. Or else we'll start an argument and and ruin the holiday. Well,
2: on the topic of imaginary lines, the next quote I wrote was, censorship feeds the dirty mind more than the four-letter word itself. And that's Dick Cavett said that. I mean, it's true, right?
1: That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love that. That's great. Wow. And we see that, um,
2: censorship is expressing itself throughout history or has expressed itself throughout history. Um, you know, within the home, uh, within our own bodies, you know, when we, um, prevent ourselves from speaking out for whatever reason, that's the extension of it and that's that's the ultimate you know quote-unquote wet dream of um, societal values and uh, mainstream values is to get us to duplicate copy and regurgitate the same behavior that's the idea yeah right that's the, the ultimate aim is to control the thoughts to create limitations on something that is uh, seemingly not limited in that way right, right, right. Um, religion does this schools do this you know they they um, crank out, um, it's, it's the meat sausage factory, right? It's the, um, you know, the wall when we watch the, the, the movie, the wall, Pink Floyd, you know, what's that scene, that metaphor of all the kids walking in a line and they're on a conveyor belt and they're falling into the grinder, the meat grinder, and it's being ground. And, you know, this grotesque image of these sausage links coming out, Yeah. you know, consistently formed and, you know, base and grotesque. Um, but, but I think that was, At least part of the idea that that um, sometimes what we call education can become a form of thought control and a form of censorship if we're not careful, if we're not applying Henry David Thoreau's concepts of you know um, awakening the individual learning process and guiding a person's um, innate intelligence to come out and acting as a guide rather than a controller, you know, because the controller who wants to control the ideas is then blocking that person's creativity, preventing that person from then becoming as amazing as they could be. Right. Because we have a preconceived notion about what they should come out look like, you know, yeah. how they should look, how they should sound, yeah. uh, what they should know. Um, there there are arguments to be made about that, um, but also against it.
1: Yeah. You know, the, yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, do I always want homogenized milk? Right. You know, I actually, you know, like to have the option of cream. Or buttermilk or milk, you know, and when we try to make society homogenized milk, you know, then we miss some of those, those nice opportunities, those other things that we can, we can get from, from, you know, the other versions of that, that same substance, you know, And, and I like a society that is not homogenized. Right. I want I want I want there to be cream in our society. I want there to be butter in our society, you right. know, and cheese and fermented yogurts, you know. <laughs> I mean, we want some diversity in, in the people around us, which is kind of how we started this conversation, you know, about you right. don't want everybody to be like us, you know. Um, and and that also comes back to the idea that when people are a little bit different, and when we practice being open and accepting and tolerant of those differences then it actually helps define who we are. And that actually makes me a little different. It makes me a little bit unique. You know, if you're a little bit different from me, then I get to be a little bit unique now. Hmm. You know, and that's another way of looking at it. You know, Um,
2: uh, so you're saying that people's uniqueness can enrich our
1: uniqueness. Absolutely. Absolutely. It comes down to the old famous saying, if I blow out your candle, it doesn't make mine brighter. Right. Right. I mean it just makes more darkness right to blow out somebody's candle. Um, we can light up the room with multiple sources of light, and you know we we don't need it only to be coming from one direction or only to be coming from one color of light. you know um, we want that diversity, and uh, that's what that's what makes it beautiful. and I think one of the things that you know I think we're gonna get to here uh, a little later is um, catching ourselves in those moments when we might be trying to hide somebody's light under a bushel, hmm. as the old song goes, you know, mm-hmm. um, what to do, how to catch that. Um, what do we do when we notice ourselves doing it? Cause I think it starts with ourselves. I don't want somebody telling me how I should think, but then, you know, I, I've probably been guilty of that plenty of times in my life when I've wanted somebody else to think like me. And I kind of, I, I need to start with myself, you know? You
2: are an educator in a private university, mm-hmm. and you have a responsibility. You've agreed to certain set of professional ethics and standards that matches that, mm-hmm. um, and you know you maintain that quite well. You probably hold some opinions in your diverseness in the in the breadth mm-hmm. of who you are sure. that might not find its way expressed within the uh, structure of um, of the university. Because you have yeah. to maintain a certain level of uh, censorship, yeah, am I correct? Yeah, oh, absolutely. yeah, and, and I'm that's not true. saying that's wrong. I'm yeah. Yeah, just yeah, saying sure, that, sure. that that it, it it certainly wouldn't represent the entire you, and there may be some ideas that are valuable that you can't mm-hmm. express adequately within that environment. Absolutely. That, that's totally
1: true. And, Which
2: isn't to say you're not expressing a, a whole load yeah. of other
1: wonderful things. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, to, to your point here, um, there are times in my role as an educator, right, that what I'm really trying to do is share this little secret with my students that there is a way to carry yourself Your body language, your facial expressions, there is a way to use language that sends a signal to other people in your profession, as well as people that you're going to be serving in your profession that says, you belong here. Hmm. You know, I belong here doing this. And that's why you, Mr. Patient, need to trust me right now. Because sometimes we have to recruit trust in order to be effective to create change in the other person, to, to assist that
2: person. Right? I see. So so there's their their demeanor and their expression is saying, I belong here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I belong here as as a student, you know. I belong here. You know, I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be here doing this, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so for example, if I if I I'm I'm gonna go back to my days when I was still practicing occupational therapy, I might get a client who is very skeptical. They're scared. Um, They don't feel that they belong in this facility. They're not quite sure what, what the surgery means that they had. And, you know, they didn't plan any of this and they had this illness or whatever it might be. And I can see that that person is scared, is in a delicate situation. And I also know that my job is to help this person get back on their feet. Yeah. Right. I might need to talk a certain way use certain language, carry myself a certain way to recruit as much trust into that person so that I can actually help them get better, right? And there's an art and science to that, right? And that's one of the things I'm trying to teach my students. And then what will happen though is somebody will come along and they will choose to say or move or, you know make a facial expression that sends the signal that I don't know what I'm doing and I don't belong here and I'm not a member of this profession. Now, the reason I have to point these things out to students is not because I want them to be like me, not because I'm trying to make them homogeneous. Is that a really smart gay person? (laughs) Right, (laughs) yeah. Um, Is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help them be good at their job and avoid trouble in their life because I might be very accepting in a student's, you know, personal views and the things that a student says, and maybe an untimely joke, and I can handle that. But I know they're going to go to a hospital and behave that way and get in big trouble. Now we're all going to have a problem on our hands. You know what I mean? So there's a time when it's wise for a person to know how to be politically correct and to censor themselves appropriately. But I think to have control over that means you've got to be able to turn it on and turn it off at will. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you do have to have some wisdom to know do I want this fight right now or not? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's important to know that, you know, um
2: is a an interesting quote that um because we see censorship in in politics i mean you control the dialogue by mudslinging and by pointing out other people's errors a lot you know just simple you know sometimes I, i i cannot believe the dialogue that i see in the news sometimes i think oh my god what mistakes have i made that if someone were to publicize it yeah. You know, how much trouble would I be in? Um, so, so I'm often disgusted when I see the, the things that get pointed out because it's like, wow, how would you feel if you had you know, every single tract of conversation you've ever said, even off the cuff when you're exhausted or whatever, yeah. and taken out of context or, or even within context, but just not your best moment. Sure, you know? yeah. So I see this, this other quote that I put in there, which, which is, the test of democracy is the freedom of criticism. And that was by uh, David Ben-Gurion. The freedom of criticism. Right. And then the other quote was, We are not afraid to entrust the American people with unpleasant facts, foreign ideas, alien philosophies, and competitive values. For a nation that is afraid to let its people judge the truth and falsehood in an open market is a nation that is afraid of its people. That's John F. Kennedy. Wow. That's very powerful. Right. That's very, very powerful. I like that a lot. And censorship reflects society's lack of confidence in itself. It is a hallmark of an authoritarian regime, which is Potter Stewart, United States versus
1: Ginsburg, 1965. Hmm. Wow. Those are, those are some good quotes, you know, and you know, you know, what comes to mind when you read some of those is I was remembering that back, you know, some, some years ago um, when Osama bin Laden was still alive, right. There would be, uh, you know, you know, Osama bin Laden has released another video, right? A, a message to the United States. Um, you know, what's funny about those is we never got to hear the message. Well, yeah, you would see a video of Osama speaking, right? And then they'd be telling you that he let out this video and they'd talk to a few facts that were mentioned in the video, but, but I almost want to just say, will you shut up and can I just hear the translation? Right. You know, I'll make my own determination as to what it means. Oh, you can't be trusted with that, Sach. Yeah, but I can't be trusted you with that. You can't be trusted right. with that. You know, here's another one. Um, the news has this idea that they do not show uh, dead bodies from war. Yeah. You never see the dead bodies from war. Right. Now, you can find alternative uh, sources where you might see a Palestinian man holding a baby that was just killed in an explosion and he's yelling at the camera and holding a, uh, you know, an infant who's, who's now dead. Uh, but what does the news do? They, Oh, we don't show that, you know, they're going to censor that. They find it offensive. Well, you know, um, I find that very offensive. That is politically incorrect. You know what offends me, Satch? Yeah. Censorship censorship yeah in general it really does you know um it's so offensive let let it be there you know um you know it's insulting to your intelligence you know it makes all kinds of assumptions about what you can and cannot handle and you know what i think you probably can't handle it carlos so i'm just not going to share it with you right you know (laughs) this is just irritating it's it's uh yes yeah you know i think the news should just share it with me um just to prove that i can't handle it
2: Champions of the anti-censorship movement is Frank Zappa. People were always wanting to interview him because he's really the guy who would stand up and speak up and not and not be afraid of of actually saying something strong about it. You know, he wasn't worried about who he offended. He wasn't worried about any kind of backlash. He just said what he believed, and then pretty much said to hell with what you think of it because that's the whole point. And he. There, there's a testimony that he did before Congress in 1985 and I posted a link to that on our page on our Facebook page um, and you can read the entire thing and it's really pretty enlightening. Um, it's a fun read so I you know, recommend uh, that the listeners check it out because um, it's entertaining and it's educational. Um, you know Frank Zappa you know may he rest in peace is a, you know a long gone but um, he left an impact And one of the things that I think he said that was pretty cute you know, it was a little cheeky, but it, but I, but I really liked it. Um, people were talking about, you know, aren't you afraid of, um, you know, what your lyrics will, will cause people to do and things like that. And his response was, if lyrics make people do things, how come we don't love each other?
1: Beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. I mean,
2: how many oh, I love that. songs have there been about love? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's he, fantastic. He's brilliant. That guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, And George Bernard Shaw said, censorship ends in logical completeness when nobody is allowed to read any books except the books that nobody reads. Mm. (laughs) Cool. Can I hear that again? Yeah. Censorship ends in logical completeness when nobody is allowed to read any books except the books that nobody reads. Yeah, that's great. Uh, And then, of course, George Carlin, political correctness is fascism pretending to be manners.
1: Oh I
2: like He's that. He's good at that's getting his digs, you know. He's yeah, that's so, fantastic. So yeah. poignant. Another comedian that I really like is Bill Hicks. Love him. You know? Um he wasn't afraid to talk about what he did, the parting he did, yeah. um, his attitudes about um, some of the places where he grew up in certain areas of the US. I mean my impression of, of him after watching interviews and and seeing um, his routines and reading about him is that I think he loved his country, but he he wasn't blind about it. He was able to see the things that he didn't love as well as the things that he loved. I think he he liked being American, but he he um, he loved the world and and uh, um, he loved America, but he didn't love every aspect of what America does. And I think uh, he was honest about that. And a lot of his routines were ways to talk about that intelligently and sometimes uh critically and he wasn't afraid of any backlash he wasn't afraid of of people getting angry at him so he talked about spirituality he talked about altered states he talked about a lot of things so this was kind of a fun little quote we live in a world where john lennon was murdered yet barry manilow continues to put out fucking albums god (laughs) damn it if you're gonna kill someone have some fucking taste I'll drive you to Kenny Rogers' house. (laughs) That's great. Oh, my God. And he says... um, I love you, Kenny. Yeah. Uh, He says, you see, I think drugs have done some good things for us. I really do. And if you don't believe drugs have done good things for us, do me a favor. Go home tonight. Take all your albums, all your tapes, and all your CDs and burn them. And by the way, for the millennials, uh, you'll have to Google what a tape is. Yeah. Um, Because you know what? The musicians that made all that great music that enhanced your lives throughout the years were real fucking high on drugs. The Beatles were so fucking high, they let Ringo sing a few tunes. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Wow. There's another one. By the way, if anyone here is in advertising or marketing,
1: kill yourself. Ouch. Right? I love it. I love it. And he he meant it. Yeah. You know, I, right? I remember that routine. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not kidding. Suck a tailpipe, yeah. jump off a cliff. <laughs> right. You know, right. I I and mean, he that just went on that and on great. and on
2: about how if you're in advertising, you're Satan spawn right. and kill yourself. And he went on for, what was it, 10, yeah. 15 minutes? Oh, a long time. Like, in detail. And yeah. he's like, I know, I know. You guys are all thinking I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm not fucking kidding. Go yeah. kill yourself. Right. He just goes right. he on, just, and he's playing the straight thing. He's like, it. oh, and, he, and he's, he's imitating, you know, the, the marketing people. He's like, oh, you know, Bill's going for that righteous indignation dollar. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not fucking kill yourself. Yeah. You know, right, and he goes right, on right. and on and on back and forth. Then he keeps playing both ends of it. Oh, yeah. And it's so good. It's uncomfortable. Why is right. it? Why is it uncomfortable? It's because you know he's saying very provocative, um, you know, violent, negative things, but. Right. Why is it helpful? Why is it good? Why is it interesting? Why yeah. is it intriguing? Why is it compelling? It's because part of you has probably thought that you've thought, oh, I hate yeah. the way we're always getting marketed to, and how every commercial and every you know everything is always you know um, news bites and and everything's shaped and framed in such a way as to control our thoughts and to to encourage us to do the things for other people's benefit yeah. rather than our totally, own. Totally, totally um, to control our thoughts. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, we may not have articulated it as beautifully or as grotesquely as he has, but we can appreciate why he might spend some time doing that. Definitely. And so when he does it for us, it's hard not to chuckle, even if you feel embarrassed. He might be an embarrassed laugh. You hear him talking about, you know, these things and, and using harsh language and you know, he's saying things, but it's funny. It is funny. Yeah. You know, it, it digs in and it yeah. really, there's something yeah. that, that, that resonates.
1: You know, and that I truth. like it. You know, it, it, I've, I've said this before on the show is that uh, Picasso quote, that art is a lie that helps you see the truth. Right. And comedians are artists. Yeah. And comedians are, are masters at pointing things out that speak and resonate to uh, a, a truth that we all share. Right. You know, like it, it's even defiance right now, through comedy. Yeah, I read and, that somewhere. I don't remember where. There you go. Defiance yeah. through comedy. Defiance through comedy. Yeah. And and that's what's nice is when comedians are allowed to say things that other people couldn't get away with, so to speak. Oh, you my know? God. Um, well, it reminds me of when Bill Maher had Politically Incorrect. Mm-hmm. And and basically, his show got axed after 9-11 because they were having a discussion about, um, you know, people were always talking about how the terrorists were cowards. And he spoke up and said well you know i mean sending missiles from afar you know that's more cowardice basically than you actually being there and following through with the plan and crashing an airplane in right well he was pointing out an objective like truth yeah yeah and and so yeah sure was it was it a little harsh and maybe the timing wasn't so pleasant you know for the country yeah, yeah. maybe so but but you know he was pointing out that you really can't say that if somebody believed in what they believed in and carried that out and sacrificed their own life, you really can't say it's cowardice. And right. that was the point he was making. Right. And the funny thing about it is uh, Dinesh D'Souza was in that conversation and he said it first and Bill Maher echoed it and Bill Maher, Took all the flack and Dinesh just shut up and thought, I don't say anything about. He censored himself. Yeah, he censored himself because he, <laughs> he knew he knew the heat Score was going for society. You know, yeah, um, you know. So uh, Dinesh went and you know ran from that one. Uh, you know, so so. Um, but but what I don't like about that scenario is even though that might have had a little bit of sting at that time for people, this was a comedian, and comedians point these things out. And, yeah, I mean, I understand that in the moment it wasn't a comedy routine, you know, but this is what comedians do. Right. Comedians point these things out. And they can get away with it often um, more than others, Um, but not always. I mean, Lenny
2: Bruce was getting, you know, uh, thrown in jail quite a lot early on and and it mm. wasn't even on television it was, he was just appearing in comedy clubs and he was getting in trouble for indecency yeah and obscenity you know violating the right. obscenity laws and things like right, that right. so you know he was a hero because he did it anyway with the intention of civil disobedience that he wanted to you know from what i understand from what little i've read about him is that you know he did want to make a little bit of a statement it was a it was a political activism in a way yeah sure Um, sure. so sure uh people like bill hicks and george carlin can do what they do or did what they did because they're both dead yeah may they rest in peace as well right (laughs) right exactly (laughs) um pieces perhaps may they rest in pieces Mm -hmm. um but uh um, that's because of what they could, you know, it's it's the idea that we can stand on the shoulders of these giants who went before us. And right. if people don't go in and, quote unquote, take the political bullet for having done those things, then no one else can do it afterward. Right. Bill Hicks mixed a lot of, um, you know, his personal philosophy, sometimes uh, a positive philosophy, in with it. Uh, here's an example of something he he said. You probably heard this one before. The world is like a ride in an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are. The ride goes up and down and around and around. It has thrills and chills and it's brightly colored and it's very loud and it's fun for a while. Many people have been on this ride for a long time and they begin to wonder, hey, is this real or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered and they come back to us and say, hey, don't worry. Don't be afraid ever because this is just a ride. And we
1: kill those people. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Wow. So true. It, it is true. Yeah. Over and over and over again,
2: back into the left, yeah. and back into and the left.:
1: There you go. That's it. Yeah.
2: Here's another one.: Wouldn't you like to see a positive LSD story in the news? To base your decision on information rather than scare tactics and superstition, perhaps? Wouldn't it be interesting? Just for once? Today, a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream and we are the imagination of ourselves. Here's Tom with the weather. Yeah. (laughs) A (laughs) positive
1: news story, right? I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Oh, man.
2: This is where we are at right now as a whole. No one is left out of the loop. We are experiencing reality based on a thin veneer of lies and illusions, a world where greed is our god and wisdom is sin, where division is key and unity is fantasy, where the ego-driven cleverness of the mind is praised rather than the intelligence
1: of the heart. Mm, beautiful. And that's not even funny. That's actually just wisdom. That's just right plain old it's wisdom. Just good old-fashioned wisdom. You know, the old yeah. kind. Folks, it's time to evolve. That's why we're troubled.
2: You know why our institutions are failing us? The church, the state, everything failing? It's because, um, they're no longer relevant. We're supposed to keep evolving. Evolution didn't end with us growing opposing thumbs. You know that, right? Mm. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorites. Watching television is like taking black spray paint to your third eye.
1: <laughs> Very good. That might be my favorite of all, right there. Oh, that's great. Wow.
0: Listening to the Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Next up, Carlos and Satch continue their conversation about political correctness, censorship, and thought control with some interesting discussion about the origins of the words fuck and shit. It may not be what you think.
1: So right now, um, during this recording, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about what's going on in the world of the national football league. What's that? So last season, um, Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback for the, uh, 49ers, uh, in, in protest of, um, police brutality against minorities, he decided uh, yes, not to stand that. for the national anthem. And this really upset a lot of people. And, and currently while we're recording this, this episode, um, uh, the sports world and the political world is very much divided right now. One side is that if Colin Kaepernick doesn't stand for the national anthem, then he hates America. Why doesn't he just get the hell out, right? I mean, it's drawing a pretty big conclusion. And and I, and I want to take a moment and honor that I can see how people might feel that way. You know, and people have their own reasons for feeling that way. Um, then on the other side, you're saying, hey, look, you know, um, he's not just disrespecting the country. He loves his country, in fact. And he is, you know, making a statement to try to bring awareness to something and it's appropriate. Um, and it doesn't matter which side you're on. It really ultimately doesn't matter. Um, even, even President Trump has gotten in on this and is, is, is stirring the pot with comments to football teams. And, you know, uh, the funny thing that I do want to point out right now, this is an episode about censorship. Colin Kaepernick is not playing in the NFL this year. He doesn't have a job right? <laughs> and he's probably more talented than, than some people that do have jobs right now, but he does not have a job. He's been NFL. censored. He's been censored. Um, and why is he being censored? Well, I think in my opinion is because he's actually saying something that's pretty powerful, whether you like it or don't like it. Um, and again, like I said, I don't really care <laughs> to tell you the truth. You know, I don't care which side somebody falls on. He's saying something powerful and it's upsetting and it strikes a chord and it tells us that, you know, we we might be on the verge of recognizing something. We might be on the verge of learning something. We might be on the verge of of expanding our vision on something, you mm-hmm. know, because it, it's uncomfortable, whichever side you're on. And um, um, is it politically correct? Well, it depends on which side you're on. But the idea in my mind is blow up sides, right? As soon as we start thinking about sides, we fall into what I like to describe, and I've described this before, you and I have had this conversation, is it's the three-dimensional box theory. Mm -hmm. You know, when you draw a three-dimensional box on paper, one moment your brain sees the box opening onto the left, and then you keep looking at it, and next thing you know, your brain has the ability to see the box opening up on the right. And we start to have this idea that, well, this person's crazy because the box is obviously clearly opening onto the right. No, 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 you're crazy. You guys aren't seeing this right. It's clearly opening on the left. It's just a bunch of lines on a piece of paper, folks. Right? It's not really a three-dimensional box. And yeah. I think that's that's the point. Is oh, the there, map it, there is are not no the territory. territory. I'm sorry? The map is not the territory. Yeah, the map is not the... Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. the map's right. The map is not the territory. Alfred and, Korzybski. Yeah, and when you're facing, you know politically correct ideas and which side are you as soon as you start to say hey i recognize that i'm on this side and he's on that side that right there is the cue that it's time to expand your thinking expand your consciousness that's the cue if somebody offends me then that's my cue to say wait a minute am i limiting my my own magnificence right now you know am am i forcing you know my consciousness into a box I don't want to force my consciousness into a box. Let me let this offense draw me out of my box. Let's burn down the walls of this box. Right. Um, and I, I really think that a lot of these things come down to which questions do we ask when we're in these situations? If somebody offends me or if I offend somebody else, I usually notice that it's because one of us or both of us was just simply not asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. And I think you can really ask your way out of a lot of dilemmas, you can. You just ask the right questions. Charles F. Kettering, I think we've said this before: a question well formed is a problem half solved. There you go. That's it exactly. And 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 that's the whole line of thinking behind the Socratic method. Yeah. Keep asking questions about what things mean and why they why they're there. And and one of my solutions for um, me dealing with a person who has very different ideas, who's coming from a different way of seeing the world than me, one of my ways of dealing with that is to spark up genuine curiosity. It's a great solution.
2: Do you know who Jordan Harbinger is? I don't think so. He has a really popular um, and informative um, podcast. It's called The Art of Charm. So speaking of podcasts, Um, I've I've certainly enjoyed my share of episodes Uh, recently. I just found out about it. And um, one of the things he said that I heard that has stuck, like you know any good idea does, is he says, "This is the place where we we hold strong opinions loosely held." Mm. You know that's a great frame, isn't it? That's great. Strong opinions loosely held. Strong isn't opinions. Isn't that loosely held? What our yeah. tight group of friends do? Yeah, I mean don't don't we have strong opinions and, and hold them loosely enough that we can discuss them, debate them, oh, yeah. compare, contrast, and even modify them? Oh, definitely. You know, Absolutely. There, there's no uh, you know, strong sense of insecurity in, in any of us, and we have a, a, such yeah. a bond of love and trust that yeah. it's okay and safe to just hold strong opinions and hold them loosely enough that we can actually talk about it. Yeah. You know, when you're right, gripping right, right. your ideas so strong, and just think of that, that image,
1: yeah. um, you can't. And you know what else comes to mind uh, with our, our wonderful tight circle of, of brother friends is that um, we're careful not to over-identify ourselves with our opinions. Right. You know, like we understand that, that we are um, little chunks of the universe and we cannot be defined by opinions. We have them, you know, but, but if somebody shatters a belief that I have about something, Right? That doesn't damage my identity. Right. You know, if 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 I have an erroneous idea in my mind and you, Carlos, challenge the idea and I realize that, hey, maybe I was I was holding that idea wrong. You know what I mean? Now my vision is wider. Right. You know, and and I know that you don't think less of me. You actually think more of me because right. I was loose with my thinking enough to consider another another way. Or I know that if I were to decide, no, I, I, I think I'm okay with this idea and I still hold onto my idea. You know, you don't think any, any less of me, right? You know, (laughs) and that's perfectly okay. And, and, and we allow each other to have that freedom and we're much more likely to grow because of that, you know, indeed. Um, uh, or we could all just make sure that we all have, you know, these five beliefs that we have on a piece of paper, and there's a secret knock to get into the door, and and, and you know we we can't uh, talk about that in public. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Benefit you enrich and you grow, and you have the ability uh, to flourish with new ideas. And you, you really see um, sort of a dark ages happen um, in a micro level and even at a macro level uh, in culture when censorship is at its peak. You know what happens when you start burning the books? Yeah. You know uh, the Fahrenheit four fifty one concept, or or if you go back to to our real history. Mm. Um, of burning books, you know it. It gets quite scary. Yeah. Um. You know, medicine goes out the door. Science goes out the door. You start to deny things. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. There are many hot spots we could talk about. We could talk mm-hmm. about climate science. We could talk about, um. You know, any number of uh, political ideas. Um. You know, gun control, abortion, religious freedoms uh you know nudity um auditory censorship you know words the power of words let's, let's talk about that for a moment yeah, yeah
1: let's, 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 let's get into that you know yeah. uh
2: you know i i've thought for a long time i think probably at least 25 years um what's the big deal
1: about so-called obscene language you know, I I, yeah, I don't it's understand. Social, it's a social agreement we've all decided together that we're going to go ahead and 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 decide that some symbols for an idea are inappropriate, while other symbols for the exact same idea are appropriate. It's okay to say intercourse, but you can't say
2: fuck. Yeah, yeah. Why is that? You know, um, and it it's very strange uh, to me yeah uh, I'm, I'm just expressing my opinion here right yeah <laughs> opinions uh expressed are not necessarily the opinions held by the uh, authenticity show no <laughs> i'm just kidding um yeah but that word i mean for me when i try to determine whether something's good or bad one of the things i do is i explore its origins i mean yeah. I look um i like to do that too you know, origins context how how is it used um intention is part of it but it's not everything you know yeah that, you know the road to hell is paved sure. with good intentions, right? So intention isn't everything, but it does matter. Oh, it, it matters. Yeah. what you intend. Sure. Um, there's a lot of things that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, maybe to some degree, I I, I might begrudgingly admit that um, public opinion matters too a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in my book, but um, I'm a you know, in in a sense, more of a truthist in the sense that I'm looking. I have this ideal in my heart, my my mind about what I think truth is. It's subjective, but. I'm looking for that in the things that I do and see and learn, mm. right? So, um, you know, I, I might look at, um, you know, what is so bad about the word fuck? Uh, sounds like a great idea to me. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like a pleasurable <laughs> idea. And uh-huh. um, it's certainly a necessary idea because we wouldn't be alive without it. Yeah, And it's a fun word to say. It's a, It's got those hard consonant sounds and, and you can say it as an expression of, Mm-hmm. Of uh, oh I stubbed my toe fuck that hurts you know yeah. or, or fuck this is great ice cream you know what I mean yeah right, I mean, right. fuck that was a cool movie uh-huh. um, you know it you know it's it's just a, it's a nice way to grab a hold of an idea and, and you know it, it's a trans word it, it means whatever you think it means in that moment yeah. and you can borrow it and you can channel it to mean other things um, I think many of us have seen that video where. Um, people talk about how it can be a verb, a noun, a pronoun, an mm-hmm. adverb, and it can sure. be all these different things in different contexts. Yeah. It can be even a personal pronoun, you know, like, yeah. listen, you fuck, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I did a little research back in the day. I remember um, that there was this meme floating around that the fuck was a, was an acronym
1: yeah, I'd, I'd heard that. Do you too. remember that? Like, like, like for, for unlawful carnal knowledge or uh, something like that. Yeah, or? fornication
2: under carnal knowledge okay, or yeah. um, you know under consent of king or something like that. You yeah, know, you know, I found out yeah, that, that, that that's actually that. not true. You know, that it isn't an acronym. Mm. Um, that's just a, a misattribution. Okay. Um, as far as I've come to understand it, there are references to the word that go back a few hundred years. It's an old word. Okay. Um, I think from the old German "fick." Okay. And fic um, actually means the same thing. And so it became mm-hmm. fuck. Okay. Um, in English. And it wasn't an acronym at all. But I, I do suspect that that um, urban legend, that it's an acronym, comes from another word that, that is an acronym. Okay. Shit. Shit is an acronym. Shit is an acronym. Thank God. Okay. Right? Let's, let's hear this. Okay. So uh, this is pretty cool so back in the day when they were shipping manure in boxes by sea voyage right um that was a primary way to ship things like that and they they would have all this manure this shit right in the uh cargo hold and after a while at sea the moisture you know sea air is moist yeah so moisture would get into the the uh excrement and it would start to put off what Gas, Gas. methane gas. Yes. So what would happen when, you know, what was the primary light source back then? Uh, Flame, right? So a a candle or a lantern. You go downstairs into a cargo hold to check on things or to get something, and you've got this space that's filled up and with a very small opening. So a lot of this gas, this natural gas is accumulating. And then what happens when you introduce a spark or a light? Well, kaboom, Yep. right? So um, that happened Enough that people figured out what the deal was. They, okay. you know, they investigated, and they were smart. They just figured yep. out, oh, duh, we need to be careful of this. And so eventually they started stamping on the boxes S, period, H, period, I, period, T, period. Ship high in transit. Ship high. Ship high in transit. Ship high. Instead in of transit. putting it down in the cargo hold where it could, yeah. you know fill up the gases in that small environment, put it up on top. Yeah. Put it up, up high where ship high there's in ventilation. Transit. Well, ventilation, and so you won't have to worry about that. Yeah, you know, cover it with tarps or whatever, but don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you you know, people would see these boxes stamped "shit," and they're like, "Ah, shit." It's easier to say "shit." Yeah. So it it became uh, associated with uh, "mierda," "merd," right? Uh huh. (laughs) Um, Poop. Yeah, it's Um, literally a box of shit. It's a box of shit. Wow. Yeah, and now of course, shit means stuff. Yeah. It can mean bad. It can mean you know, not so good, right? Mm-hmm. Had a shitty day. Yeah, totally. Um, even yeah. though it feels wonderful. Yeah. To, and one can have an entire <laughs> head made out of it. Right. I mean, I mean, not not to be too crude, but I mean, honestly, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing. It feels good. That's It's a healthy yeah, thing. If right. you don't, in fact, you die. So it's, yeah. it's a very healthy thing. However, um, we find ways to creatively attribute um, that word to things that that are bad yeah call someone a shit face right yeah
1: well you know in uh in in medicine you know basically if you keep your your patients eating sleeping and shitting and breathing you pretty much you're doing a good job right and they're going to be okay and if and
2: and, uh you know if someone's not um keeping it straight you say handle your shit man and you're shaking by the shoulders right yeah not handling their alcohol handle your shit yeah right give them a little slap in the face yeah totally um so yeah Um, words, you know, these derivations, um, you know, I look at this from, from the standpoint of, of being this person who goes, why is this a bad thing? Why is this something that we have to hide from? Why is it okay that we can say excrement, poop? We can say, um, other things for the same thing. And like you said, suddenly this one
1: word's not okay, but the other ones are okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I, I love this concept that words are symbols for ideas. Right. So is the idea okay? Seems like it. I mean, apparently it is. Well, it is. seems
2: like it's socially acceptable. Okay is probably not the word, but acceptable to the masses. Yeah. Right. Right. O- right, right. Okay to say on the radio. Okay to say on TV. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah. Fe- feces is right. fine. Right. Um, and, you know, and, I, and again, I think it comes down to the idea of um, if you use certain words, you're not using the words that are code for the club that you belong to. Right. And, and I want to belong to higher society. Therefore I will use these words for that idea rather than those other words for that idea. Right. Cause it says that I'm of lower socioeconomic status or I'm not educated or, 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 you know? word control. And this, this concept you're talking about is one of the
2: primary tools that you use when you're creating a mind control cult. Mm. Thought control is one of the primary tools of a you know, cult leader. Um, you know, what is a cult? Um, you know It's a group of people believing the same thing, right? Using yeah. the same lingo. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. However, um, it's inherently problematic. Um, it mm-hmm. can be a bad thing. It can lead to people giving up their sense of self. Uh, and right. again, let's back up. Is giving up your sense of self always bad? Well, um, I would argue no. Um, when you're having an amazing orgasm with the person you love, there's a, a form of dissolution that happens to your yeah. consciousness. Uh, if you're absorbed in prayer meditation, if you're, um, at the, the ninth hole and you're mm-hmm. golfing and there's a moment of flow where you, and that Zen moment of swinging the golf club and, and
1: it meets yeah, the ball, right. um, you're losing self in a moment. Yeah. So it's not always bad. Totally. Uh, uh, allowing, allowing a surgeon to cut you open and save your life. Right. You know, right yeah um so so there are times and places it's all about appropriateness
2: um and and that's uh decided individually based on context and needs and uh individual um yeah. uh, attitudes and 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 uh cultural norms right but this is why we're having the discussion is because mm-hmm. um I think we have to realize that a lot of the stuff requires um intelligent consideration it, it requires uh not necessarily having hard and fast rules all the time but Talking about them as loose principles, and that gets more and more complicated. the more society gets complicated. The more we have a melting pot, so to speak, or um the mixed salad fruit salad of all these different cultures coming into one area in the bowl um the more you get that happening, the more you have to start of you have to create new categories, you get to think more um it's stressful it's definitely stressful, yeah. and yeah. so um I pity the 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 person living to some degree in this, this century because it's so damn complicated. It I don't know anymore <laughs> when I go out in the world. and you know, I, I try my best, oh. Satch, but I actually yeah. don't know who the hell I'm gonna be offending next. I really don't yeah. know. And, I'm, and it's not yeah. like I don't care. I'm not saying you shouldn't care. But it's getting to be a little bothersome. It's getting to be a little bit of, yeah, you know I, what? I, I, I agree. <laughs> I can't even um, express myself
1: anymore without offending somebody. Right. And that's starting to get a little annoying. Correct. And, and you know what, what's funny is um, there have been times when I might have said something and I can tell I started to offend the other party. Yeah. Um, and then if I say something that indicates to them that I actually do understand, then suddenly what I said is not offensive. Right. Okay. So right. let, me, let me try to give you like a, an example of what I mean. I think I know. But yes, please do. Please do. Um. I might be working with a client and maybe they share a difficulty with me about a disability, let's say. And you see the tension in their face. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah, well, they share something with me about, about a disability. And let's say I, I say something along the lines of me letting them know that I can relate to their experience. Mm -hmm. Right now it's not politically correct (laughs) in the healthcare world to say, I know how you feel. Right. Apparently we're not allowed to say that anymore. Right. Because that, you know, may not always be the case and that can upset some people. And I do think it's important to um, know how to choose the right words at the right time to, you know, build rapport and not, not break rapport, you know, with with somebody Um, you're getting to me, Carlos with all this, this rapport stuff. I like Mm it. Um, but I might notice that maybe I broke that, record, that that rapport and I might have said something along the lines of, hey, I, I I know how you feel and they're ready to tell me that I don't know how they feel. And then when I say, yeah, well, you know, my wife has multiple sclerosis and she's, she's, you know, um, nearly quadriplegic. And, they go, oh, and then they realize that, yeah. oh my gosh, his wife is actually more disabled than I am. And I just took offense to this thing that he said, because he said that he understood. Examples of reflexive thinking. Right. right yeah you developed yeah. a reflex yeah yeah exactly and, it's and stimulated and, to trigger and the thing is i could see the whole thing unfold just in in, in a few moments and i realize oh i better self-disclose right in order to ease the tensions that i don't you know ruin this relationship <laughs> you know by relating with this. and, and it's complicated you know so i, I oh, shouldn't no. have to do that yes no but but you know maybe what i should be doing is taking offense to the fact that they took offense you see what I mean? And I it just do, never ends I totally you know. know.
2: You know, and where does it stop? That's that's like, you know, how do we stop the violence and the hatred? You gotta stop it in yourself.
1: Yeah, you have to do it.
2: You know, yeah. at some point you right. you you gotta call it what it is, and it's 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 the error is within me because I'm experiencing this this pain. Therefore, yeah. I'm gonna address that first. You know, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna right. offer my forgiveness and ask for the forgiveness. You know, it's that idea that I'm gonna remove uh, the, the error in the data, the data needs to be cleaned so mm. that I can actually experience this for what it really is rather than um, all the preconceptions that I'm um, uh, stimulating in others and generating within myself. So to clean the CD off, as mm. we've heard before yeah. <laughs> from various sources um, and to clean that data, we have to address it at a core level and it's hard to do. You go right into the ego and, um, you know, in a sense, take responsibility Mm -hmm. but not everybody's going to do that. So does that mean that you don't do it? No, it means you do it anyway and you do your best to uh, propagate the idea that we can all take responsibility for ourselves and stop being little babies about it. Yeah. Um, Because it's not going to behoove us to focus on the fact that we're victims, Mm -hmm. but the mindset has to be one of responsibility. um, Whoever we are. Um, Yeah. Yeah. If I, I, you know, I'm not born into uh, money. So that could be thought of as a disadvantage, or it could be thought of as just the circumstance. And I have to take responsibility for my circumstances in order to get wherever else. If I if I want to have money one day, if I want to be the kind of person who's well off, wealthy, um, abundant, affluent, I've got to figure out whatever it is I need to get there. And and no one's gonna. It's not gonna be a handout, you know. Life's not gonna say, "Oh, well, you know, everything should be equal. So, um, you know, you deserve every right. So here you go." It's not gonna happen. Right, um, right. You'll you you you'll still get robbed anyway. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Somebody's going to rob you. you and know, I did see the, the great example of, um, you know, somebody, it was just a metaphor, of course, right? You know, all metaphors are flawed. But it was a great metaphor. They said, okay, you want to understand privilege? All right, I'm going to crumple this piece of paper. Uh, those who are closest to me can have this piece of paper, and those in the back of the room can have this piece of paper. I'm going to count to 10, and anyone who gets this, gets the paper. Well, you, you know, you can do the math and figure mm-hmm. it out. The people closest yeah. are going to have a better advantage. You're gonna, it's going to be easier for them to get it. Right. So someone in the front is going to get it. Yeah. Um, and you can say, hey, I'm not playing favorites here. I got to be fair. Mm-hmm. I can't give anybody an advantage. Well, the advantage is already there because they're closer. Right. So this was an analogy talking about, um, you know, the difference between being born male, white, and affluent mm-hmm. versus being, say, um, uh, black or african-american again i don't even know what the proper political term is these days yeah um has nothing to do with anything i just actually don't know what's in vogue today you know in society or whether there's different conditions under which because there's a lot of things to know but let's say you were um, i'm going to say for the purposes of this black um you're poor Mm -hmm. and you're female Mm -hmm. Okay, you're gonna have um, by that very nature from from a societal standpoint You're gonna have a different level of distance from the goal of say being well-off Sure, right to make your living and to be um, able to sort of pay for your kids college and Have a home and own a home and pay for your medical bills and all that kind of stuff. It's gonna be uh, a larger step a larger leap for you to get there
1: Mm -hmm.
2: than the first example of yeah. being white, male, and um, affluent, right? Now, there are other factors. There's intelligence, drive, um, motivation, uh, connections, social connections, and so on. They're all factors, but if you measure them all together, you can definitely you can definitely say that we are not all equal. We don't have equal... Um, we don't even have equal rights, I would say. Agreed. Um, we're supposed yeah. to. It's represented as though we have equal rights under the law. It's a nice the, goal. Yeah, it's a nice idea, but... We don't actually have that. Right. Um, And and then there's the the flip side of that. This is not to say that if you're white, male, and born uh, into a fair bit of money, that you should suddenly feel guilty, but it's just saying, objectively, could you just notice as a scientist, Mm -hmm. objective truth here, that you do have advantages, and that shame is not going to help that. If you feel Mm -hmm. ashamed of that and guilty um, for being white, male, and affluent... That's not going to help the black, uh, poor um, or um, destitute female. That's not going to help them. Mm-hmm. But you could consider, you could consider that statements like, "Oh, anyone can make it here in the world, and it's you know, and, and thinking that it's just as easy for them might not be very logical to say that, and it might not be very fair to base yeah. your assumptions on the idea that they have an equal chance to say that they could do it and to believe in them and to offer you know it might it might behoove us as a human race as a culture to open our hearts and say you know what what could we do to help even it out a little bit to to create more mm-hmm. avenues mm-hmm. Uh, i'm not talking about handouts i'm talking about real um you know teach a person how to fish kind of stuff yeah um yeah, that sure. that that is respectful of a person's pride respectful of a person's uh, individual intelligence respectful of their right to thrive i think some of that drives political correctness conversations and it's nice when that's driven from a positive
1: place mm-hmm.
2: but that's not always what happens a lot of it's it's judgment it's a way of controlling telling you what to do and not to do um right. but i prefer when when we when we're talking about the the part of political correctness that's about fairness and about doing our best to be noble and to allow others to pursue noble purposes, then I like that part of political correctness. But as yeah. a rule, political correctness, I think, isn't used that way. Um, and it doesn't solve problems.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you know what, one thing that, this is just my own personal pet peeve, is um, when I hear something that, that you know, some something in the media comes up about maybe a racial issue or a poverty issue or whatever it is, And people say, well, you know, we we need to have a dialogue about it. Right. You know, I always think like, um, you know, I think we all know this is an issue. Yeah. We've known this is an issue for a real long time. Let's stop talking about just having a dialogue about it. And how about we like actually start throwing solutions on the table?
2: Right now, I'm at this point on Facebook where I see every day such strongly held opinions, yes. not loosely held opinions, strongly held strongly opinions, held. Yeah. and people are hating on one another. And it looks yeah. very scary to me uh, when I think about the the way that could spread through the world, it's a representation of what's going on and all the yeah. anger politically. And I, and I, I think to myself... I feel that myself, too. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's disturbing. Yeah, and it, I, it is disturbing. I'm staying out of it, not because I'm holier than thou or any of that nonsense. Yeah. I just realized that I can't solve it by engaging in that type of discussion. Yeah. And I don't want the good person over on this side of the argument and the good person on the other side of the argument mm-hmm. to forget... That once they have a common enemy, they're best friends again. There right. really isn't anything organically wrong with one another. Yeah. They just have different points of view. But right now, it seems to them, they're under the illusion, the hypnotic spell of yeah. their own beliefs, that everything that they interpret as the other person's actions are somehow motivated by some evil, sinister, malevolent, or just outright ignorant place. Yeah. And yeah. there may be truth to it. It might even be justifiable in some ways, but it can't be strictly true. You're mm-hmm. talking about individuals who are ultimately good people, who who want more yeah, or less the same I, thing I, deep I, down. I, I, they want to be happy. They want to thrive. They want to raise their family. They want to be
1: educated. They want all these things that are the same, but they forget that. They forget that they want the same thing. Right. You know, it bothers uh, w- me. W- w- one thing that I'm seeing a lot, and, and this has been something that, that comes up, but comedians talk about this a lot in, in, in modern times, is how with um the current young younger generation, you know, the younger people, and this is and, and and this is an important concept that I think you and I both would love to get out to our, our younger friends out there, yeah. right? Is be very mindful about shutting people up. Right. Who don't who don't sound like you. That's censorship. Shutting, shutting people up. If if somebody wants to come and speak at your university and they hold an opinion that you think is just ludicrous and totally outlandish let them speak and be ludicrous and outlandish and let the merits of what they say prove that they're that that they have useless ideas don't stand outside the building and shout 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 and never let them speak you know because if you feel like you want to do that if you feel like you want to make somebody shut up then it's important to ask this question has some outside idea infiltrated your mind like a virus and is getting you to do something that somebody else wants? To me, um, screaming and shouting and shutting up a speaker before they can ever speak um, is, is a dangerous virus. Yes, it is. You know, it's, it's, it's an illness and it's a symptom. And we must ask ourselves, oh my gosh, wait a minute. Do I have, am I showing symptoms I would argue that it's violent.
2: Yeah, I I would too. Yeah. Um, the root of it is violent, yeah. and it's it's th- that person may or may not express uh, physical violence, but there I w- I would say that the source of that is potentially violent, um, yeah. and therefore uh, it one must be mindful. Yeah. It, it can be explosive. You can you know a human being can go from that strong desire to shut someone up to rage, to irrational behaviors, which can um, be like throwing gasoline on a fire and it yeah. can explode or or uh, the flames can expand and it can become
1: yes. an uncontrolled physical action. I totally agree. And, you know, this, this might be a good time to um, uh, talk solutions. You and I both have enjoyed listening to Esther Hicks. Yeah. And whether others out there like Esther Hicks or, or, or are terrified by Esther Hicks is beside the point. Good ideas are good ideas no matter where they come from. Esther Hicks has this beautiful concept that you and I both love, which is the art of allowing. Mm -hmm. And I think the art of allowing is a solution for times like these. And I would like to encourage people to make it a virtue to say, hey, you know, it is a virtuous thing and it is, it is an opportunity for self-development. It's, it's a sign of enlightenment to practice allowing ourselves to let people say things we disagree with. To hold opinions that we disagree with. Right. Um, just for the sake of practice alone, you know go ahead and listen to the other side and just practice being equanimous while you listen to the other side right you know pull up a youtube video of somebody ranting and raving about um a topic that you feel very strongly in the opposite about and practice equanimity while you listen to that rant <laughs> before you do that listen to episode number 10
2: a and 10 b which is all about compassionate listening compassionate with listening with dr janice davis janice davis yeah
1: um <laughs> Uh, It's a great opportunity topic indeed. Yeah, Yeah, definitely Um, So, you know, I love that concept of the art of allowing if you cannot
2: tolerate Another person's point of view at all If you're not capable of it, let's say um, What does that say about yourself? Does it say that you are afraid? That if you allow that opinion to be there without making a ruckus that that somehow that means something What have you made it mean? So we're meaning-making machines. Yeah. What have we made it mean that this person says their strong opinion and we don't refute it? You know, what what right. could we possibly make that mean? I mean, some of us might make that mean I'm not strong enough to oppose it, therefore they must be right. Or I haven't refuted it, therefore I'm absorbing it and it will become me. Yeah. And I don't want that. Right, right. I mean, these are possible thoughts. Yeah, right? these are possible thoughts. Or in the negative. If you think about it. That famous quote, a man convinced against his will will be of the same opinion still. So you could take the opposite end of that and realize that you can't convince someone that really doesn't want to be convinced. If they're looking for you to convince them, then they might be. But they may not be looking for you to convince them. And most of the time, they aren't. What happens when you attack a person? What happens in their brain? They go into their limbic system. They go into their fight, flight, freeze. Yeah. Right? Um, the nerve innovation goes to the limbic system rather than to the higher cerebral functions. They're not able to envision things very well. They're not able to track the conversation well. They're not able to form connections with other ideas that might be similar uh, in a different context. They're not able to go cross-contextual with their thoughts. They're not able to be abstract in their way. So you're getting a reduction in their intelligence. Mm -hmm. And if you're the one attacking and you're in your fight mode, That means you're in your limbic system, which means you're not functioning with your full intelligence, which means you're two lizards two dragons attacking one another it's like a bad Godzilla movie from when you're a childhood right and (laughs) you know (laughs) stomping on buildings and you know throwing flames out of your mouth and it's not really effectively doing anything other than destroying any possibility for communication I mean I think of that metaphor what happens in those Japanese Godzilla movies right all the telephone wires are destroyed and all you know crushed and all that you know society breaks down everything goes into chaos as the sirens go Right, all the tanks roll out, yeah. and jets come out, trying to attack them. It just becomes chaos. It's war. Yeah, that's not a recipe for human connection. That's not a recipe for enlightenment. That's not a recipe for um, self development or culture. And it sure as breaks as it down.
1: Yeah, and it sure as hell is not going to convince the person on the other side to come join your side. Right, it is not going to happen. You know, you you had sent me that article that was uh talking about the study that was done about why people dig in harder oh yeah remember that Remember that um you mentioned that we yeah yeah yeah. oh it's been a while but um
2: yeah i mean um if if the first thing that you do let's see if i can remember um what that was about the very if the very first thing you do when you hear ideas that um you find to be small-minded is you attack the idea and you start to show them all these ordered steps of you know why this is wrong and here's why. Let me, let me delineate all the reasons why you're wrong and, and let me show you all this background information and let me you know, show you how smart I am, et cetera, et cetera. Here's my qualifications and now let me delineate um, a new way for you. Now I'm telling you what to do, what to think and how to receive the information. Mm-hmm. The studies have shown that that's not very persuasive. When they've done a lot of tests... To find out, you know, how convinced a person was, they found that that just doesn't work. So yeah. we talked about, you know, uh, climate science, and and without getting into that huge topic, that, that mm-hmm. can of worms, um, let's just say that there are people with very strong opinions on both ends of that, um, and um, if you try to do that by showing them the science, the they, the article was basically saying it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't you work. can show them all the science yeah. in the world, and they're going to find reasons not to believe it. Yeah. that's not what's convincing. Instead if you find out why they believe what they believe you know mm-hmm. let's talk about flat earth okay yeah. um what harm does it do for a person who believes in a round earth or in a roundish earth mm-hmm. to entertain a discussion with someone who's a friend or an acquaintance who you have to interact with what what harm is it if the two of you are still in connection if you can maintain the connection i'm not yeah. saying that we all have Tons of time in the world, and we can spend all of our time listening to everybody's point of view. I'm not saying that, but if you're in a situation where you think you can have the time to convince them otherwise, then you have time to listen.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, that's that's beautifully. You're safe, only you going to get
2: them to dig in stronger, and then they're going to see. See, they're going to say to themselves, "See, you've been brainwashed." Yeah, and you're going to become pigeonholed and characterized yeah. um, as someone they can't trust. Now anything you say, any efforts you make, will get filed in that circular bin in their Mm -hmm. brains that says trash. Trash exactly. They will not accept it.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I remember about that article is they were talking about MRIs, Mm -hmm. MRIs or CT scans or something, and they were they were showing that when somebody disagrees with your opinions, the same part of your brain lights up as though you are physically being attacked.
2: Oh, that's right. Okay. There were yeah. two
1: articles. So, so, yeah. so, so if, if you disagree with my belief system, right, my brain treats that as though you are actually a physical threat to me, right? So the person is not going to open up and consider your side, that's like opening up and allowing somebody to punch you in the face. Right. So it's, it doesn't work. That's why it doesn't work. And, and, and I love that idea. You know, it's better to just become genuinely, or dare I say, authentically curious, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, if, if, if somebody who lives in the city, who's seen a lot of gun violence is having a conversation with somebody who lives in a rural area, who's very pro gun, right. Um, those two people are not going to resolve their differences by using logic and statistics and this is how many people die and this is why you need to have a gun in your safe and you know what I mean It's that's not going to work right what, what, what works is oh what, what is your experience of a firearm you know oh well here's mine well, what's yours oh interesting well how do you feel about that you know what I mean And and make it about the other person you know when you make it about the other person you start to go, hey, you know what, we're we're on two different sides of the aisle on this, but you know, but I really like him. What what an open minded person. He really listened to me. Maybe I'm getting through to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's there's these kinds of things that, that you know, at least there, there there's room for movement.
0: You're listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Next up, Carlos and Satch finish their discussion about political correctness, censorship, and thought control, and also throw in a pretty profound little workshop on conflict resolution. Stay tuned.
2: If you want to address the problem of racism and stop Being a political correctness pain in the ass to people. Mm -hmm. You want to get deeper into teaching people, I think, because we were talking about solutions earlier. Yeah. Get deeper into teaching people about how to recognize those predispositions, you know, those predilections, you know, that that cause us to filter the world the way we do and really own the fact that it is really just the filters, that this is how we're processing. It's not necessarily true. It's there for a purpose to help us filter for certain experiences and to teach people that perception is also projection so that they know that they're participating with what it is they're seeing in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking for examples of people, you know, behaving in a particular way, you're probably going to start seeing more of it because it's happening and you're going to attract yourself to those situations plus uh, notice them rather than delete them from your awareness. And you may yeah. even generalize or distort situations that aren't that, that may satisfy some of the signs of that but aren't really truly that, and bend those, shape those, categorize those, clump those all together as part of that. Hmm. And therefore, it shapes your experience, which then ultimately equals your reality and how you think of the yeah. world. That's yeah. kind of important. If you don't sure. teach people those tools, now not everybody has learned how to slow down and have a deep talk like this or Mm -hmm. talk about perception. But I think that if you start that discussion, if more people do it, um, it doesn't eliminate racism. It doesn't eliminate prejudice. It doesn't eliminate threat completely, but it reduces it. I think you are asking uh, your fellow human being to step up and to use their brain and to, to really develop their intellect.
1: Right. And when you encounter that person who's, maybe very angry and saying hurtful things and is pretty close-minded. Usually when you ask them questions with, like I said, genuine curiosity, they're usually really happy to explain themselves. Right. You know, and it's difficult to have angry thoughts against somebody when they just asked you for you to explain where you're coming from. Well, especially if you're trying uh, to heal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know? Yeah.
2: Earlier, when I said I don't get why words are such a big deal sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, why do people freak out over it and censor mm-hmm. it? There is a huge part of me that believes it, but I also understand that there are times when a person doesn't need to be challenged. It's not my job to right. get everybody to wake up and smell mm-hmm. the coffee about it or whatever, presuming that I know better than them or something like that. It's not my job necessarily to yeah. get, say, a person who's in a coming from a particular socioeconomic and religious and uh, political background yeah, to have my point of view, yeah, because I'm somehow more enlightened. If they're not really seeking that, they're on a different path. They're on a different mm-hmm. trajectory. They're looking for different things. I can't presume to know um, what's going to be perfect for them in that situation. They need to have that manifest through their choices decisions and filters in their own way and if we have a crossing at some point i can explore those areas i can explore expanding mine i can explore the possibility of inviting them to expand theirs and we may be able to have some connection along the way but we don't all need to agree on everything and that's what censorship is about you must agree right or you will be eliminated yeah. <laughs> right, right. Right. Your speech will be eliminated, and if you won't stop, if, if you find another way, I'll eliminate that until you're eliminated. Mm-hmm. Because you're not allowed to exist. Because your ideas are not allowed to exist. Yeah. Your ideas because are this dangerous. Is my, to my world ideas, yeah. This is my reality. I control everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ultimate in control yeah. freak.
1: Well, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm reminded um, about when Alan Watts was talking about drug use. Alan Watts uh, was on this topic about, you know, would you recommend uh, that people take something like LSD? Because he, he, he shared some interesting stories that, that he had um, experienced and he gave the most beautiful answer to that, right? Well, he said, no, he says, no, I, I wouldn't recommend that everybody uses, uses those kinds of substances. He said, just like, you know, I wouldn't recommend that everybody, you know, sails around the world. You know, it's, it's a really cool thing to get in a boat and sail around the world. If you're the kind of person who just needs to sail around the world and you could have learned all these amazing things sailing around the world, but... You know, do you need to make everybody get in a boat and sail around? That's not for everybody. <laughs> such a good example. You know, not everybody needs to sail around the world. And uh, and that that goes back to the art of allowing, you know. Um, it is a practice. It is a virtue. It is a virtuous thing to say, ah, oh, you sailed the seven seas. Ah, oh, I, I climbed the highest peaks. We're both adventurers in our own way. You know, we did it in different ways, but we're both adventurers, you know, and and, and, and we're both exploring these things that we're exploring in our own lives, you know? Right. Um, wow, you're, you're a super ultra conservative uh, right-wing Christian. Wow, what is that like? You know, what, what do you get out of that? What does that do for you? How do you feel when you're like that? You know, because this other person is, you know, uh, a Taoist, Buddhist, you know, vegetarian, did, you know? And, and wow, what, is, you know, what drives you to do that? I'm so curious about that. You know, and know. what is everything in between? And what is everything in between? <laughs> and what else is it that they are besides those things? Yeah. yeah. So, Butterfly trance. Fly trance. trance. Emperor trance. Butterfly trance. Butterfly trance. Butterfly trance. trance.
2: Else. What is everything else? In
1: honor what of our buddy, James else? Tripp. Yes, right. uh, uh, an amazing talk. Absolutely,
2: um, uh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and great moment for that because um, there are many things to explore in between those two places. The, the overlap that I was talking about where the invitation is to explore more deeply and to expand on both sides. Sure. Um, there are whole worlds created from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whole new worlds, whole oh, yeah. new flavors. I mean, um, Reese's peanut butter cups, for example. Okay. To talk about something really deep, you know, chocolate yeah, yeah. and peanut butter. There right? You go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how would that have happened if if, if those two worlds didn't cross? Right. No, but seriously, yeah. I mean, oh, so oh, many. By, by the way, Reese's, yeah. you're welcome. Okay. You are welcome. Yeah. yeah. I, we, we, we didn't get paid for that one, but we might yeah. in the future. You never know. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, no, but so many things. Uh, think of most likely how Chinese medicine has intermixed with Ayurvedic medicine, Tibetan medicine, Himalayan medicine, Unani medicine, how those things have crisscrossed and influenced one another and enriched each other, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, 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 right, right. I mean, that interaction has created such a a profound expanse of knowledge. And sometimes um, one tradition preserves something for that other tradition when it was lost for a time yeah and when that exactly. tradition has a resurgence mm-hmm. they can reconnect with their roots through that thing that was saved based upon uh an earlier an earlier established connection where that was shared right exactly i mean yeah. is, isn't um isn't buddhism to some degree uh
1: an example of that where where yeah it left the homeland definitely you know right? Bu- buddhism um originated in india Right, the 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 Buddha was was born in modern day Nepal, um, but uh, mostly taught and traveled up around what would be today northern India, and today India is very much uh, Hindu, right? Predominantly, predominantly Hindu, um, and you and I have had this conversation. What does that even mean? Because there is so much diversity even in Hinduism, right. but it's huge. But, but that's a whole other topic. Um, and Buddhism as a practice. Right, I no, I don't mean Buddhism as a belief, but Buddhism as a practice really was lost in India. India lost Buddhism. You know, it had this this amazing uh, technique or maybe set of techniques and and sets of knowledge that are really there and and valuable for people, and India lost it. But those ideas spread to some neighboring countries, um, and were kept, were preserved. And so now um, Buddhist meditation has had a chance to resurge and is spreading in its original land because another country preserved it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful concept. You know, there were um, practices of acupuncture techniques and points and uh, Chinese medicine concepts that were lost in China. You know, the Chinese government suppressed acupuncture for about 100 years. Talk about censorship, right? We're going to decide to, um, you know, completely eliminate this practice that we've had for you know a couple thousand years, and we're going to just stop doing it now, and nobody's allowed to do it. Well, thank goodness people still did it underground, but a lot of people, a lot of family traditions had left China and went to Hong Kong and went to Taiwan and, and other neighboring countries, and. Today, we can find and piece together concepts that were lost in China that were preserved elsewhere that really clarify things in the medicine because somebody else in some family lineage you know, was able to shed light on what this really meant or, or what we actually were supposed to do with that piece of information or whatever it might be. Um, so it is pretty interesting, fascinating stuff. I have a question for you, Carlos. Sure. Um, we've talked a little bit tonight about... Um, asking questions with curiosity in mm-hmm. order to, to, to form a, a bridge for, for, for both sides. Um, maybe we could explore language options for how to do that. Sure. You know, like, like for example, yeah. um, if a uh, person a holds a set of beliefs, uh, and person B holds a different set of beliefs, uh, what are, what are some, some good kinds of questions or how could you, how could you set up some questions that could really start to open up that diversity and, and create connection. All right. So
2: the first thing you need to do is you need to censor everything they say and make sure that they follow your rules only. Okay. Right. Now, do you tell so, them this in the beginning? Or yeah, you have to, to inform them, them. them that they're okay. wrong and that um, they've offended people and that they better stop. Okay, very now, good. Very
1: good. Now, we got that out of the way. Yeah,
2: now that that's out of the way, um, uh, you can control their thoughts. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> what you need to do... Uh, right away, is um, you know, manage in yourself um, where you're coming from. I think because we always, it always starts with um, intent, right? So you want to start with the end in mind. You have to have a clear mm. picture of what it is you're, you're you know, know your outcome. Mm. So when you know what that is uh, and you're clear about that, uh, it means you've gotten a hold of the you know, um, parts inside of you which are pulling you compulsively to act or whatever Mm -hmm. um and when you've managed those sensations of pulling you to act and you can come from that space the only questions that arise from a place like that are questions that are potentially um centered around increasing awareness understanding and um they aren't violent or provocative except to say that they're provocative of realization provocative of um learning and i think that's where a lot of inspirational questions can come like uh it could start by by simply asking um well back up it starts by acknowledging and then asking okay so if you're acknowledging what what they've said it's like you're you're grabbing a hold of the the types of words frames and the flow of thought they're going to respect you because you look like you're respecting them. And you are, in fact, respecting yeah. the shape and flow, rate and qualities of their thoughts. Just okay. by, you know, maybe it's a little bit of matching. Maybe it's a little bit of borrowing what they said. Maybe it's a little bit of acknowledging and a little bit of backtracking with them. So you, what you've said is this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, am I correct? That's a humble way of saying that, mm. a very soft am way am I correct okay. in saying that you like this? Okay. Or um, is it fair to say that what you're really trying to get across to me is that you feel this way? Um, have I heard you right? You're this person who blah, blah, blah. Mm. Right? Okay. I'm repeating this back, and these are these are soft linguistic frames I can use to begin that conversation, which can follow up with, so what I want to know is, how does that relate to this? Or what I want to know or what, what I'd love to learn more about is, where does that idea come from? Or were you the kind of person who had this or that experience? Oh, okay. Or would you mind sharing a little bit more about that experience? Could you tell me um, why you feel that way? Okay, sure, Um, I want to let you know that I am interested in understanding more about that. So can you open up a little here and tell me more about Mm. where that comes from? That's good. So I'm just giving you a whole bunch of examples sure, sure. how I could, you know, it's like many different prongs, right, that could go to connect more deeply into this.
1: So if I'm somebody who, who strongly believes that the moon is made out of cheese... And, you know, everybody's wrong, by the way. You know, everybody thinks that the moon is like a piece of earth that got split out and it's actually like a a little small planet or something. No, it's actually made out of cheese. And uh, I don't know why people can't acknowledge this, why people can't, you know, wrap their heads around this. You know, the moon, it is a fact. It is made of cheese. Trust me.
2: Yeah. So um, it sounds like what you're saying is that you've had a lot of resistance around this idea that you believe that. Uh, the moon's made of cheese mm. and oh, um yeah. it probably feel best to you if when you're talking about it um to someone like myself that that I trust you that I trust you at your
1: word and, and you know is that correct oh yeah yeah because you know nobody wants to hear people just like oh no, you're an idiot no but they're the idiots got it right so
2: you've been you've been experiencing a lot of frustration around uh these people who who just don't see things the way you see them oh yeah and the media's no help Gotcha. Yeah, so, you know, even when you look on TV or on online or listen on the radio, you're getting all this confirmation
1: of people who disagree with you, right? Oh, yeah, and how are they ever going to find out that the moon's made out of cheese? They don't even, you know, have an idea that it's made out of cheese, and then you, you try to have a discussion about it, and people just shut you down. Right, so so that,
2: that brings me to my question. I'm wondering... Um, you know, you said this, this idea of having a discussion. Is that something you'd be interested in doing? Oh, totally. I'd love to talk about, about, about the moon cheese, oh, cheese conspiracy. Great. That's awesome. Uh, because I'd like to talk about it, too. I'd like to have a discussion with you Great. Awesome. And okay. I was just thinking that maybe, um, you know, by understanding a little bit more about what you, what you believe around that, um, you know, I'll get to know you better
1: okay great yeah I and did.
2: you know i think uh, that that sounds like you know if i know you better i think it'll be a lot easier for us to talk about a lot of things
1: <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> beautiful yeah you know? even mm-hmm. though i know right now that i'm coming with this silly idea that the moon's made out of cheese i already feel rapport with you right i, I can't help it because I, if I we can talk like about this this,
2: yeah. this hot spot isn't it true that we could also talk about a heck of a lot of other things
1: <laughs> right, right? There, there you go. I'm already agreeing with you, right? And I don't even believe that the moon's made out of cheese, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. So finding um, a point of commonality, and I don't have any resistance to that because why do I care about resisting that mm-hmm. if I'm not insecure, if I'm not um, feeling uh, total confidence? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so In, if, I, if, if I feel total confidence, is what I'm saying.
1: Why do totally, I? Totally, totally. And I, and I need to report right now that even though I'm just acting and i am res- and i am i am living truthfully with this imaginary circumstance that the moon's made out of cheese i can already feel in my brain that if you started coming at me with facts that are proving why the moon is not made out of cheese i could already feel the resistance building up in my mind if i if i imagine that happening mm-hmm. it's a strange phenomenon it is and if i keep you from going too far into that
2: and i keep building rapport with you where you feel good well <laughs> I just primed you. My apologies. Um, is it safe to say that you were starting to feel good when I was giving you that feedback?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it feels feel good, good
2: yeah. when I give you that feedback. It feels good. Which yeah. means that in your body, mm-hmm. positive chemicals are releasing. That's it. And your, your physiology is relaxed. You're breathing more easily your blood's Mm -hmm. pumping comfortably and what do you think's going on in your brain you know are you think you're stuck in the limbic system or do you think you're you're able to use more and more of your imagination
1: yeah exactly now i become more open-minded to what you may share with me right so if i can masterfully keep that and maintain that change the the nature of the
2: dialogue and stop censoring you stop trying to control your thoughts and start controlling my own Mm -hmm. um you know then um what i can do is create a communication that might have value. Yeah. Now it would be um easy for some people to think that's manipulation. Aren't you just manipulating Satch right now? And again, it's a word. Um, yeah. it depends on how you define the word manipulation. My intention is to improve the communication. If that's manipulation, mm-hmm. then I guess that's manipulation. Right. right um right. I don't typically use that word. I just notice that a lot of people tend to Default to that. I like to think of it as good communication. Yeah. I I like to think of it as. I agree with that. um, Yeah. I have faith that I can have some positive influence in the world Mm -hmm. and I appreciate the positive influences I've received from others. I don't believe I should shrink back and be not Mm -hmm. powerful. I believe Mm -hmm. I should be powerful and I don't have any false ideas about being more powerful or um, needing to assert my power over people. I just believe that we should all be stronger. We should all work on being um, the best we can be wherever possible so that we can enrich each other. And if we're not doing that, we're wasting our valuable resource of vitality by being alive and not using our inborn, innate, latent power. Yeah. So power is not some kind of um, bad word in my mind. In this case... The power in the words, the power in the ideas, the power in learning new things, expanding, connecting, exploring the in-between spaces,
1: mm. that's power that we're just leaving on the table for no reason. Yeah. Why would you do that? T- totally agreed. And, and, and what's the alternative to that? The old way, the old way of trying to convince me with facts. Right. Why, why isn't that manipulation? Exactly. That's manipulation Some, somehow, too. if you
2: manipulate poorly,
1: yeah. it's not manipulation. But if you manipulate well, it's yeah.
2: manipulation. Isn't that a strange, yeah. strange thing right there? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like if you if you struggle and you do it the dumb way. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's somehow not. That's okay. Yeah, But yeah. if you do it the smart way, that in, that involves emotional intelligence and um, you know the potential for conflict resolution and yeah. Uh, Seeing each other's points of view and, and, be, and gaining from it, then, well, as, as long as you're aware that you're doing it, it's okay if you accidentally get there, but if you're aware that you're doing, if you use a method, if you use a technique, if you follow a system of some kind and let it stimulate your creativity, well, you know, you're cheating. Yeah, this can't be too easy. You can't use that NLP stuff, man.
1: that's not cool. Yeah, we're we're gonna censor all that NLP stuff, and there's only one method you're allowed to use, which is basically fumbling. The the uh huh. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. You know that that model works like one percent of the time. You know, and if but that's honorable if you convert somebody that way. Right. But you know, people
2: people fumble sometimes into the right methods, Mm -hmm. but that. There are conditions around that. You know, you really like each other. Um, there are other things motivating mm-hmm. it, other common experiences, things that can cause you to make that leap. To do what I was doing on purpose accidentally. Sure. Or by happenstance, right? By, yeah. by virtue of the other things that created structure, which um, sooner or later led to that.
1: Yeah. Which, you know, is the basis for every buddy archetype story. Starsky and Hutch, mm. you know all all those all those uh you know cop movies or or sitcom or something where where two people get together and they don't want to be together, and then there's there's going to be discord in the relationship, and then at some point they realize, you know, we're going to need each other if we're gonna if we're gonna get the bad guy, you know, if we're gonna get the the cocaine bust, we're gonna have to start working together. You know, and, and and so it's it's an archetype, you know. But there's something powerful in the archetype. Two opposing people come together. They start working together. They will eventually realize they need each other and that they're better with each other and that they are more effective with each other, right? Better with each other, more effective with each other than without. Than without, right. And once they realize that and they embrace that, then they, you know, get the prize. Then they mm-hmm. solve the problem. They They... They get the bad guy. I believe that there's truth in all those archetypes. Um, And we've seen this same story told in so many movies again and again and again and again, right? But when you're meeting somebody who is uh, the other on the other side of the aisle from you, and uh, there's issues of censorship and political correctness, and how do you bridge that gap? Follow the buddy archetype. You actually really do need each other to resolve... the issue man that's profound actually (laughs) that hit me (laughs) yeah that's true
0: you've been listening to the Authenticity Show with your hosts Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell the show is produced by Oliver Altine our theme music is composed by Oliver Altine Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our website, authenticityshow.com. Thanks for listening, and have an authentic day.